to a nation. First Samuel in chapter 1, of course, we finished Judges a couple months ago. We went into Ruth, and then we took a break for Christmas and finished it up last Sunday. And First Samuel is really the tell of the last judge. Of course, he gets the most uh, chapters to describe them, and half the book is really about his life. And of course, he's in and out uh, longer than that. But we're going to look at the last judge, Samuel, and we're going to begin this morning and kind of see how it all came about. God had a plan and God had a purpose, even though it was not necessarily what anybody would have desired or wanted. And even in your troubled times and even in your frustrated times in life, God has a purpose. And once you have found 1 Samuel in chapter 1, if you're physically able to, if you could stand to your feet for the reading of God's Word in honor of His Word, we'll just read the first six verses and we'll go as far as we can throughout this chapter, uh, maybe even get through it all today. The Bible says, Now there was a certain man of Ramath Thamesulfin. Now, don't, don't judge me on that one, okay? That was one of the longest words in the Bible. But, anyways, of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, and Ephrite. And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, the name of the other was Paniah. And Paniah had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. When the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Paniah his wife and to all her sons and her daughter's portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord, and this is key to this passage, had shut up her womb, and her adversaries also provoked her sore, for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. Lord, we sure do love you. Thank you again for loving us. And Thank you again for the faithfulness of your dear people. Lord, you gave us a wonderful crowd for the 830 service. And Lord, once again for the 11 o'clock. And we never take it lightly or for granted. Lord, that your people want to come and worship here. We're so thankful, Lord, for a great church you've given us. Lord, it's, in, it's composed of individual people. We appreciate their faithfulness, even in the midst of their cares and burdens. Lord, and the things of life, Lord, they made it a priority to be here. Lord, thank you for the guests you sent our way. Lord, we're getting love, love to, Lord, get to meet them and get to let them know how much we appreciate them. And I pray you open up our hearts today to your word, and may we hear from you, or not what I have to say or, or what someone thinks, but from what your word clearly shows us. Lord, thank you for those who are tuning in online. Lord, may they know they're loved and appreciated and cared for. I pray you help them. Lord, be with our different ministries, our children, nursery and teens that are meeting right now and other places in the building. Lord, I pray that you'll be glorified today like only you can. We sure do love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The story is told of two men who are riding a tandem bicycle up the hill. After much effort, they finally made it to the top. The man who was pedaling in the front said that was a tough ride, to which the second writer replied, sure it was. If I hadn't kept my foot on the brake, we might have slipped backwards. (laughs) And you know, that's kind of what we find in our text today. We have here a group of people that want to go one way and do that which was right in his own eyes, as we see the end of Judges tells us. And then we have God applying the brakes on the other because he's trying to get him to go a different direction. 
And oftentimes in our life, we follow our selfish desires and passions and do what we think is right. And oftentimes it gets us in more of a pretzel and a perplexed situation than we'd ever have to do for ourselves. But when we put Jesus Christ first and we put God first in our life, he has a way of making things come out exactly like he would. But to kind of give us a little more of an appreciation of this text, we must remind ourselves as how wicked of times it was. In fact, as I mentioned, everyone did that which was right in his own eyes. And when the Bible says in verse 1 that this man was from Mount Ephraim, we see a similar comparison to the last two people we studied in Judges. We have Judges chapter 21, and Judges 17 verse 1. There was a man of Mount Ephraim whose name was Micah. Perhaps you were with us several months ago when we talked about Micah and how he wanted to make his own temple and his own shrine in his house. And he didn't want to go to Shiloh anymore and worship. By the way, you can still go to Shiloh today. I've never been, but I've heard of people who've gone and there still is the uh, uh, walls. Uh, there still is parts of the foundation there even today. And you can stand where these different men and women stood when they worshiped God even today. But we have here a man who was trying to move it and do his own thing. And in reality, he introduced idolatry back into the children of Israel. And then the other man was Judges 19, verse 1. And it came to pass in those days when there was no king in Israel, that there was a certain Levite sojourning on the side of Mount Ephraim. Now we know that certain Levite was named later in the chapter Jonathan. And this man took a concubine unto himself and ended up, she got uh, into a horrible situation. And it's just an awful story. I do not want to recount it. You can read it if you want. And we see just again the, the, the cesspool of life that was normal, if you will, in those days. There was depravity and corruption everywhere. There was permissive lifestyles. There was gang rape. There was homosexuality. There was wife and children abuse. There was polygamy. There was murder. There was kidnapping. There was greed. And there was eventual civil war. All that was happening all around everyone. And we see a lot of those things even today where we live. And oftentimes we wonder, how can anyone live righteously in a wicked community, a wicked area like we do. But we're thankful today that as our vision says, I am with thee. We are thankful for God's presence, his protection, and his plan for our lives. And even in the midst of wickedness, we too can be the righteous remnant. God is looking to make a change in our nation today. I firmly believe with all my heart that in this room, and maybe even on the platform a few minutes ago when those teens sang, that there is a teenager here, there's a young adult, there's a lady or a man who God wants to use to be the certain person to make a change in this area and in our world today. And may it be you and may it be me. 1 Samuel 3, 1 says, And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. The law of Moses was being ignored. Into this moral cesspool, God introduces a godly family, particularly Hannah. And just as in Ruth... We see God still working in the midst of wickedness. And I want us to see this morning as God begins to solve this problem by sending a baby. And babies show a new beginning. Babies show that God knows our need and cares for us. Just like the current judge who's judging right now in the midst of our story is Samson. Samson and Samuel lived 
uh, among the same area, and Samson was leading. He was born and to uh, the couple, and now Samuel will now be born, and God's hoping that this young baby will rise up. But how he gets to this point is amazing. And it's an interesting story how God takes a woman with an awful need and turns it into the biggest blessing. I want to encourage you today, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, no matter what your surroundings are, God sees you and God knows what you're going through and God has something great for you. But how does that happen? Well, the changing of a nation starts, first of all, with a certain person. A certain person, if you're writing this morning, a certain person. The Bible says in verse number one, there was a certain man in the Mount of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of, son of Jeroham. Guzik says a certain man, a strategic time and a strategic place, God begins to plan as he almost always does. With a person he will use, God can use his own doings. He can use angels. He can use different things. He can use a whale to get someone where he wants you to do. He can use a bush. He can use a donkey. But God prefers to use a willing man or a willing lady who is submitted to him, who says, God, here am I, as Isaiah said, send me. Jeroham, Elkanah's dad, name means Jehovah has exalted. Elkanah was named for the reason why God has possessed or created his name means. And we see he was a Levite. And we see that in other passages. And he has a wife. The name of the one was Hannah. Hannah presents a sharp contrast with another woman from Ephraim. Remember Deborah and Barak? God used Deborah politically kind of to be the prophetess, the governor, if you will, of that area. She raises up Barak. Hannah does none of that. But she does raise up the one of the greatest judges and the greatest leaders in history. And that is Samuel. May I say today, you and I have the awesome responsibility of raising up our children to the nurture and glory of God. May I say, God can use all of us to impact our family's life. In fact, Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 verse 21, how to be that certain person that God needs. The Bible says, if a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. Are you a vessel that God would choose to use? Are you clean? Are you willing to let God use you? And I want us to see several ways that this happens. First of all, that God is the only good work that you and I will have. Second Timothy 2, or Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Are you allowing God to form in you to be the person to be able to do the good works God has for you to do? He initiates this and he empowers us. In John 15.5, I am the vine and Ye are the branches, he that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. So, we must, as Colossians tells us, to set our affections on things above, not on things on the earth. We must pursue holiness, Hebrews twelve fourteen, follow peace with all men in holiness. So we see this morning, God used a certain man and a certain woman. And Isaiah tells us he wants to use you and I today. He said, I set my face like a flint and know that I shall not be ashamed. 
Isaiah says, for the Lord God will help me. May I say today, with God's help, and if we will set our gaze on him, like a flint, he can and will use you and me today. God used a certain person. But what's interesting here, that certain person had a complex problem. And usually when God gets someone who's willing, it's oftentimes someone who has a complex problem. I think of Moses. He had a very big problem of insecurity. What was he insecure in? His stuttering. May I say, I know how he feels. Remember as a teenage boy, I stuttered. When God called me to preach, I said, no way. I ain't going to get up there and make a fool of myself. I find myself doing it every week, but anyways. <laughs> Moses was insecure. There's so many different leaders in the Bible. Jonah had to be turned around. And Joseph felt like he was forgotten and all alone. But God uses the certain person oftentimes who has a complex problem. But this was something that this man had created. The Bible says in verse 2, And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah and the name of the other, Paniah. May I say the very foundation. And he had two wives. What's interesting here is though it was allowed in scripture, it was not God's design. In fact, the greatest verse that tells us that is the Bible says you cannot serve two masters. (laughs) But what is a really biblical premise? I'm joking, of course. Genesis 2.24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. So that was God's design. One man, one woman. But we see man's defense. You may ask this morning, why did polygamy happen in the Bible? Well, if you do a little study, you see that God, of course, commanded to be fruitful and multiply. In fact, the mission all actually required an additional wife if you could not have children after 10 years. Also, producing more offspring to help in man's work assured continuation of the family line. And children were a sign of status and wealth. So this happened a lot. In fact, even more so, many young men were killed in battle. And they left their wife alone, destitute and maybe untrained, like Ruth the Moabitess, who had no hope, as we discovered last week. But may I say today, God is always in control. And you do not have to twist and Try to make your way more practical because it makes more sense. We should always follow God's principle. And just because God allowed polygamy doesn't mean it was a good thing. In fact, every family in the Bible that practiced polygamy ended up with serious family problems. So today, we see the foundation, God's design, man defended, and whatever happened, however Elkin had gotten this position, we see that the friction that it caused from it. May I say today, you may have a problem that you've created. May I say friction may come from it. How do you respond? Maybe you find yourself in a position like Hannah, that you didn't create the problem, but you're in the midst of a problem. What do we do? Well, we see this foundation that was kind of uh, 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 negated. We saw it caused friction. In verse number two, Paniah had children. But Hannah had no children, so we see the fruition of Paniah, and we see the failure of Hannah. Now, what's so interesting here in the Old Testament, if you did not have children, you were considered a failure and a social embarrassment to your husband. You were marked, if you will, and to 
you were encouraged to give one of your servant girls to bear her children, much like Sarah did with, with Hagar. And we know, of course, if you study that story, how much problems that caused, and it's still going on even today. And oftentimes they were even permitted to be divorced. But we see the friction that this caused because they rejected the foundation that God had desired. And we see this frustration came out of it. We see unequal love. Even though they were married and Paniah was able to give uh, Elkanah what he wanted, uh, Hannah uh, gave him the affection that he wanted. And we see unequal love. And the Bible says in verse 4, he gave to Paniah his wife portions. But to Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved her in verse number 5. So it's evidence that there was unequal love and his contributions and his care. And then, of course, that brought obvious belittling. The Bible says in verse 6, her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret. And we see that Hannah ended up uh, uh, not eating and, and crying and all torn up. And every time that Elkanah uh, uh, would see her, he was very troubled about her. And every time Paniah had the opportunity, she was going to throw in another dig. And she wanted the affection that Elkanah gave Hannah. And she thought because of her childbearing, they would be everything. But we see uh, Hannah was tore up inside. And much like family reunions, perhaps, maybe when the uh, 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 cousin or the aunt pulls out her phone and has to show you every picture about her kids, every video, and then starts getting out the report cards and bragging on them. Old Hannah sat over there and she was discouraged. She had nothing to show. And it caused frustration. And we see this belittling. We see the insensitive learning. The Bible says in verse 8, Then said Elkanah her husband to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And why is the heart grieved? And he says, am I not better than ten sons? Men, have you ever done that before? What's going on? She won't tell me. Am I not good enough? And Hannah's like, yes, you're a great husband. You're probably one of the best I could get in the land of judges. Wherever man that was right in his own eyes. But you cannot give me the joy of a child. We see there's friction. Husbands can be insensitive sometimes for many reasons. As one person said, but often they simply suffer from ignorance. And I told Alicia last night, I said, is that me? She says, uh, no comment. So anyways, he didn't realize a little attention toward Paniah could have cooled the simmering emotions. He didn't understand that the love for Hannah didn't make up for the emptiness of her womb. And may I say today, as I shared in Sunday school, we cannot keep others from unjustly criticizing us. We can't keep them from doing it, but we certainly can respond the right way, can we not? And how did Hannah respond? Well, we'll see in just a little bit. She went to God. But before we do that, I think it's important to see also that it's affected the lineage. Can you imagine how this tension and turmoil have affected this home life? So we have this certain person who God was going to use and he was ready to use him. But before he could use him and Hannah, he had to deal with this complex problem. May I say Elkanah made this problem happen. Perhaps you've created a problem in your life and you realize it. You know it. You can't undo it. It's in the past. What do you do? Can God not use you? No. God can use that problem to get you where he wants you to be. And we'll see that in Hannah's life. Just because you have a problem you created, or you find yourself in the middle, like Hannah, and a problem you didn't create, does that mean God cannot use me? 
Because of my past, something I've done? No, no, no. God wants to use you. But he's going to use that oftentimes to get you to the place where he wants you to be. And that's where we see, number three, a continual prayer. A continual prayer. We see the faithfulness of their practice. The Bible says in verse 3 and verse 7 that they went up out of the city yearly to worship and to sacrifice. They did so year by year. And Joshua 18.1 kind of tells why they did it. Elkanah was a Levite and he's even more careful to observe this role. He's going to go and fulfill his duty and as not just a Levite, but also as a father. He worshiped God and gathered before him. There was rejoicing and there was happiness. And Elkanah acknowledged the importance of getting his family in worship. And may I just stop and say quickly, there is, should be a, an importance in our life of worship. There should be a faithfulness to God's house. There should be a faithfulness to spending time with God. We should join the church. The Bible says in Acts 2, verse 47, Lord added to the church daily. God set the members, every one of them, in the body. In 1 Corinthians 12, 18, not just be faithful to church, we should be a part of the church. We should love the church. In Ephesians 5, verse 25, we say, why should we love the church? Because Jesus Christ gave himself for it. And then we should support the church. It's a church place where you should find growth and comfort and fellowship. It should be a place where you get to serve each other. Hebrews ten twenty five, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, but exhorting one another. And so we see the constant practice. It was a good practice. But then we see the frantic prayer of this young lady in verses 9 through 18. I find it interesting when you look at verse number 10, we see her cause. Why did she pray? Because she was in bitterness of the soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. As one person said, two of the best things you can ever do as a Christian is your tears and your prayers. Is your heart heavy? Go to Jesus and pray. Prayer can do things that and unlock a door that only God can do. Why was she so discouraged? Well, first of all, she was unable to bear children and her husband was with a woman who ridiculed her in verse 7. Her loving husband could not solve her problem, as verse 8, as we talked about. And even the high priest misunderstood her motives in verse number 14. But I want you to notice her prayer in verse number 11. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but wilt give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. Now, what is she praying here? She is really praying for a Nazarite vow. If you remember a couple months ago when we talked about Samson, we kind of uh, broke down what a Nazarite vow, and I'll go through it quickly. A Nazarite vow, first of all, said they would not take any grape juice or anything from the vine. They would not eat any raisins or anything like that. And that represented pleasures of this world. Not necessarily saying it was wrong, but it was saying that he's not going to follow the, pursue the pleasures of this world. He's actually going to be fully with the Lord. And the second thing of the Nazarite vow, which was interesting, was he wouldn't go by anything dead. He wouldn't touch anything dead. He wouldn't go anything near it. And that was a symbol. Death was of sin. So not only was he going to separate from the world, but he also wasn't going to get involved in sin. And then the third thing was the long hair, unkept hair, which was a symbol that if you saw anybody like that, you knew they had wholly separated themselves and took the Nazarite vow, not just for a little bit, for their life. And what's interesting here is we often look at Hannah and say, 
wow, you're going to give your child back to the Lord. Well, in all seriousness, as a Jew, as an Israelite, that was a natural thing every parents would do. But what's even more interesting is Elkanah, his father, is a Levite. So that means she was naturally going to give him back anyways. But a Levite would typically only serve from the age of 30 to the age of 50. And so it was 20 years. And so it was a big portion of her life. But Hannah's here saying, wait, Lord, I'm willing in my prayer to give you a boy who's going to be wholly separated from the world and going to be all in with you and going to say no to sin and yes to the Savior. And he is going to be dedicated to you, not just from 30 to 50, but for his whole life, Lord, I'm going to give him to you. And so it's just with this prayer that she gives to her God. May I encourage us tonight, this morning, that we may also face times of barrenness, when nothing is seemingly coming to birth in our lives, in our work, in our relationships. Have you been there before? You feel barren? But may I encourage you today that if we'll just call out to God in Jeremiah 33.3, call unto me and I'll answer thee and show thee great and mighty things. He hears us in First John 5.14 and this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. He cares about our troubles in 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you and he's willing to grant our request in Matthew 7, 7, ask and it shall be given you, seek and ye shall find. So here we have, just like Hannah, an opportunity for you and me to go to God with our prayers. But what's interesting to me is the very thing that God did, he closed her womb was the very thing that was driving Hannah to make this commitment to God. Now, why do you think God was so pleased with this commitment? Because for who was he looking for to judge his people? A young man who was wholly sold out to him. How did that happen? Because a mother was all in on raising a son who was wholly committed to God. May I encourage us as parents to never forget about the importance of our nurturing and admonition of our children. Correction. Training them up in the way they should go. And what do we have here? We have a celebration. I see in verse number 17, the Bible says there, Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace. So what's interesting here, if you read the rest of these verses, uh, uh, Eli sees her and thinks she's drunk. And that probably shows the, the awful condition of their day. Maybe people would worship oftentimes and be in a wrong state. There wasn't really an open vision from the Lord. But here we have a a young lady who is not drunk. She's spiritually so in tune with God that she's just pouring out her heart to God. She's honestly prayed to God in verse 11. She's receiving encouragement. But I want us to notice verse 18. She resolves to leave the problem with God. The Bible says, and she said, let thy handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. Well, how did that happen? I find a woman in verse number 19 who rose up in the morning early and worshiped before the Lord. Has she had the baby yet? Has she found out she's pregnant yet? No. But what has she found out? That the man of God said, the Lord has heard your prayer and it's going to happen. And that shows me a young lady who believed in the promise of God. She had faith. 
And dear church, I want to encourage you. You want to have the right spirit and the right attitude in the midst of troubles and trials. It takes someone who has a prayer life with God and someone who will have faith in God. And how's your faith this morning? How's your prayer life this morning? How's your walk with God? Because a certain person God needs is someone who's sold out for him. But also when the complex problem comes and God's using something in your life, maybe it's a family member who has cancer, or maybe it's a financial trouble in your life, or maybe it's a health issue, or maybe it's a relationship struggle. I don't know what it is, but something God uses in your life. It's a complex problem, and it's forcing you to go to God. And God says, I love that, because now I can answer your prayer. And he says, it's going to happen. Do you choose to believe it? Which brings us to number four, a corresponded petition. A corresponded petition. The Bible says, of course, in verse 17, we read it, Go in peace, God of Israel, grant thee thy petition. And then we see verses 19 through 28, that they go home and we see that they knew each other. Of course, that's in a romantic sense. And the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice in his vow. We see the birth happens. The Bible says she names him Samuel in verse 20. Because I have asked him of the Lord. May I just say today that God hears and answers prayer. Even though Hannah struggled with self-worth, she was willing to trust God. May I say this morning also, our children are gifts from God. There's no mistakes. Number three, God is concerned for the oppressed and the afflicted. And then we see not only the birth, but the petition by her upbringing. Look at verse number 22. But Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned. Is she going back on her word? No. I think she knows as a mother how difficult it would be for Eli as a priest to have a baby given to him. Kicking and screaming. Say here. You take care of him. I said I'd give him back. I'm sure Eli appreciated the fact that she weaned him first before she brought him. But we see, how did she do that? Well, we see through nourishing, verse 22. May I encourage us, the Bible says in 1 Timothy 5 eight. But if any man provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. We see that she provided for her child physically. But she also provided for him spiritually. Matthew 4, 4, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And Jesus said unto them in John six thirty five, I am the bread of life. May I encourage us to not just be physically taking care of our children, but may we help them grow spiritually. By the way, church is a great place for that. Our wanted program on Wednesday night is a great place for that. Our Christian school we have during the week is a great place for that. But nothing can take the place of what happens in your home as well. May there be a daily time with God in teaching and training them as circumstances avail themselves. We see through nourishing, but through nurturing, verse 23, we're not just raising kids, we are shaping their souls. Perhaps she helped him memorize the word of God. Perhaps she reminded them of Christ's love. Perhaps she buried his promise in her young Samuel's heart. But she laid the foundation for Eli. And then we see through knowledge, verse 28, the Bible says there, Therefore also have I lent him to the Lord, as long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. May I say our kids do not come into the world knowing 
what to do with their hunger and thirst. They need us to lead them, to teach them, to protect them, to help them know Jesus. Just like the world sometimes will try to fill their hunger with relationships, stuff, entertainments. How many ever have realized that there's always something more they need? There's always something more we seem to need. Accomplishments, countless distractions. But may I say today, the only thing we really need is to keep bringing them back to God's word and us as well. Because Christ's unconditional love, his abounding grace, and his faithful promises is all we really need. As 1 Peter 3.1 says, Likewise, you wives, be subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. There's something about getting to know our children, getting to know our spouses, and God uses that to help train them. Do you spend time with your family? Do you spend time with your children? Do you love on them? Do you teach them? Do you train them? Are you always getting what they want or getting what they need? And so we see tonight, this morning, as we come to a close, a young woman who's helping fashion and form, if you will, the next judge of Israel. But it did not happen by accident. It took a, pers- a certain person who was willing to set themselves apart with God and allow God to use them. It was a vessel that was clean. It took a complex problem that many of us would look at saying, God, nothing good could ever come out of that. What a mess. What a twisted up pretzel. How is God ever going to do that? And God says, I'm going to use that problem that you created to actually draw you closer to me. And then that prayer, that petition that was answered by God. And church, I want to encourage you today, will you be that certain person? Second of all, will you be willing to let your problem actually push you closer to God instead of away from God? And then third of all, will you pray and get a hold of God? Fourth of all, what will you do with the petition you made to God? Will you be good on it? And last but not least, maybe today you're sitting there saying, Pastor Justin, I don't even know how to be a person of God because I'm not a child of God. Well, that's easy. Because Jesus Christ made a way long before you even knew that he had a perfect will for you. He was willing to come to earth and die on a cross. Now, why would he do that? The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short. And that sin, the lying, stealing, cheating, bad things you've done is keeping you from Jesus. The Bible says, for the wage of sin is death. Now, some of us don't like that because it looks like we've done something so bad we deserve to go to hell. But in all reality, if we've sinned, we've come short of the mark. No good things we can do. No church attendance. No helping the poor. Those are all good things. But that cannot pay for our salvation. The only thing that can pay for it is dying and go to hell. Or allowing Jesus Christ to pay for it for you. And his precious blood was shed on the cross when he died to pay for your sins and mine. It's a free gift. The Bible says, but God commendeth. God gave his love toward us. And that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. Do you realize today that your sin is sending you to hell, but Jesus is willing to take that penalty for you so you can go to heaven? Which puts you at a T in the road. You've got to make a decision. Choose to do it on your own or choose to do it through Jesus Christ. What will you choose? Years ago, I chose Jesus Christ. But what did I do? Well, someone helped me pray a prayer and invite Jesus in my life. And maybe you need to do that this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. 
Maybe there's someone that would say, Pastor Justin, that's me. I do not know for sure I'm going to heaven. I, when you talk about what Jesus did for you on the cross, and I know I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, but I've never accepted Christ. And if I could right now, I would love to know for sure I'm going to heaven. No one's looking around. No one's moving. Heads bowed and eyes closed. We're not going to embarrass you. But I do want to pray for you if you'll let me. How many would say, Pastor Justin, will you pray for me? I do not know for sure I'm going to heaven, but I want to get that settled today. With heads bowed and eyes closed, how many say, that's me, Pastor Justin. Would you slip up your hand real quick if that's you? You say, I need to know for sure I'm going to heaven. You say, I don't know. I'd like to know for sure. Maybe that's you. Raise your hand real quick. Put it right down. You say, Pastor Justin, I know for sure I'm going to heaven, but I'll be honest with you. I want to be the certain person that God can use. I want to be that person that God will use to make a difference. Pastor Justin, will you pray for me to be that person? If that's you, will you slip up your hand? I want to pray for you. God bless you all over. How many say, Pastor Justin, I don't want to be just that certain person, but I understand the complex problem I'm in right now. Maybe God's using that to get me to where he wants me to be, fully submitted to him. And will you pray for me as I go through maybe this complex problem I'm in? If that's you, will you slip up your hand? I want to pray for you. God bless you all over. Maybe there's someone that would say, Pastor Justin, this complex problem has, has pushed me to the Lord. Will you pray for me that I'll have the courage and prayer to ask God exactly what I need? If that's you, will you slip up your hand? Lord, you see the hands. You know the hearts. Lord, I don't know exactly all that you're doing today, but I know in the 830 service many people responded as today. And I don't pretend to think we're all Hannah's or all Elkanah's. We all have our own story. We're all uniquely made. But we can sure learn from the story. Lord, many raise their hand to be that certain person. Lord, may they be willing to come today and take a moment with you. Some are perplexed in this complex problem. Lord, may you help them grow through it. Maybe it's insecurity. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's rebellion. Maybe it's, um, Lord, uh, uh, a speech thing like Moses. I don't know. But I pray you help them with that complex problem. Lord, I pray you'll, they'll spend time in prayer and may their petition be something they're good with. Uh, not just do they make a decision, but they're going to follow through. I pray you help these dear people. We sure do love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you could stand to your feet. Uh, the panel's playing. I invite you to come forward this morning. The altar's open. Someone needs to come this morning and just pray and say, God, I want to be that certain person. I want to be that certain person. Someone needs to come this morning and pray that God will help them through their complex problem. Your complex problem. Someone needs to come this morning. I'm, I'm sure of it. And spend some time with God with your complex problem. Someone needs to come and just have that continued prayer like Hannah had. And then last of all, someone maybe needs to make good on the petition they made. Maybe God's touched your heart today. I don't know what it is. I don't know what you're struggling with. But I do know one thing. God is in control and he is with you. And his purpose and his protection and in his plan and his presence. And may we allow him to do that this morning as the piano plays.
God bless you. You may be seated this morning. Uh, just real quickly, we're going to get you out of here in just a second. But we have some two very important decisions today. We have Darylin Gowdy right over here. Raise your hand, Darylin. Uh, Darylin has accepted Christ as her Savior and been baptized and wants to join the church. And also uh, James and Stephanie Peck right up here. And God bless you, James and Stephanie and uh, Logan and um, your... Forgive me. Thank you. I knew I was going to get in trouble saying that. But Ayla, please don't tell her I, I, I forgot her name because I know it. So Ayla, I uh, want to join the church. They've been saved and baptized and want to come with us. Very involved in our school. Very faithful through the last years. And we want to uh, invite these to join. All in favor, say aye. aye. Any opposed? All right, it carries. Welcome to the family. We look forward to serving the Lord together in the future. Please make sure you uh, welcome them. You know, shake their hands, say thank you. And we're looking forward to serving the Lord together. And I'm just thankful for what God's doing here. And we're looking forward to uh, uh, seeing what God does in the future. Let's show a little video of some upcoming events, and we'll get you on your way right on time. Good morning, and thank you for joining us today. We hope this morning's service was a blessing to you. Join us tonight at 5 for our Level Up Teaching and Training Modules. Come and choose two of the modules on various topics from the lineup. Don't miss the special time of training with something for every Christian. This June, we are planning on taking a missions trip to the country of Thailand. There is information on the welcome desk if you're interested, and also we have a limited amount of spots available. In order to hold your spot, you need to go online or in one of the offering envelopes and put in at least $100 minimum deposit to hold that spot. That is refundable until the time for the first payment in the end of March. If you're interested, please let me know so we can be in contact. It's going to be an exciting trip. And don't forget, information is on the welcome desk. This Wednesday, February 28th, is the annual Awana Grand Prix. This is an exciting time for our Awana kids to participate in Pinewood Derby races and enjoy food and fellowship. Stop by after the service to catch the final races. Grandview Christian Academy has an exciting opportunity to have Japanese students visiting this summer. We are looking for 20 host families who can host two Japanese students for the two weeks this summer from July 31st to August 12th. If you would like to sign up to be one of the host families, please email Nicole at GrandviewCares.com. This is also the last week for early enrollment for current school families and church members for the 2024-2025 school year at Grandview Christian Academy. Starting March 1st, enrollment will be open to the public. If you would like to enroll your child at Grandview Christian Academy, please visit our website, grandviewacademy.com. Join us for a wonderful opportunity to help your child sing and develop their voices through our 2024 Children's Easter Choir. This is for children five years old through sixth grade. We'll be performing during the Only Jesus program on Friday, March 29th at 7 p.m. and Sunday, March 31st at 11 a.m. Bring your children to the service tonight at 5 for practice and they will receive a practice schedule to take home. 
The Midnight Madness Teen Activity for 6th through 12th graders is this Friday, March 1st, at 7 p.m. to midnight. The teens will go to Defy Trampoline Park in Beaverton, eat pizza, and spend an hour in prayer for Youth Explosion. The cost is $30. Permission forms are available at the welcome desk. For questions or more information, please see TJ Gardner or Derek Vestal. If this is your first or second time here, we want to answer your questions and get to know you. Please fill out the Connect card in the pew in front of you and bring it to guest services as you exit the auditorium. We would love to meet you and you will receive a gift card. Have a great afternoon and we will see you tonight at 5. Okay, please know God loves you and this pastor loves you. I hope you have a great, great afternoon. We'll hopefully see you back tonight at 5. You are dismissed. Dismissed.